0: if you become a Patreon supporter. You'll get that and much more if you support the podcast on Patreon, along with our eternal gratitude for doing so. By the way, do you ever get tired of ads? I know I do. But there is a solution, Stitcher Premium. When you subscribe to Stitcher Premium, not only do you get ad-free listening, but you get access to bonus content and exclusive shows. If true crime's your thing, check out the bonus episodes of True Crime Garage and the exclusive archives from Criminology. You get a lot for only four ninety nine a month, plus you can get the first month free if you subscribe with the promo code CRIMECAFE. I'm a Stitcher Premium subscriber, and if you also like to enjoy ad-free listening, go to stitcher.com slash premium and sign up with the promo code CRIMECAFE. That's one word, all caps, today. Hi, everyone. I'm really pleased to have as a guest today an author who's had a long and distinguished career in law enforcement as both an investigator and especially as a forensic artist. He also developed a forensic facial imaging software, so he's an entrepreneur as well. And he is the author of two books, Sketch Cop and Creating Digital Faces for Law Enforcement. Today's guest is Michael Streed. Thanks for being with us uh, here today, Michael. Thanks.
1: Thank you for having me, Debbie.
0: Sure thing. It's my pleasure. Um, So when you started out with the police department, was it your goal to work as a sketch artist?
1: No, it, it, it wasn't actually. It was the farthest thing Uh, From what I expected doing, I just uh, enjoyed being out there and serving the community and locking up as many bad guys as I could.
0: Huh. How interesting. Um, Have you always been interested in drawing?
1: You know, I think most kids are, and I I especially was. I mean, I doodled a lot in school. and I, I spent my time drawing Disney characters because that was my original career goal, was to be a Disney animator. So I just practiced cartoons all the time.
0: Wow. Very cool. Um, from your blog post, I got the sense that you were an artist who became interested in writing rather than a writer who also draws. Would that be pretty accurate?
1: It'd be very accurate again, uh, you know, farthest thing from what I ever thought I'd be doing. And, um, it was suggested to me one day that I, you know, write down some of these stories that, the cases I've been involved in. And, uh, once I started, um, You know, writing and and researching, I I became really fascinated by the cases because, you know, I'd get in, uh, I'd get called in and I'd come in and I'd do the job and I'd leave. And, you know, sometimes they were my cases, most time they were other people's cases. So I, I only knew so much about the case. And then I was on to my primary job as a police officer. So it wasn't until I sat down and wrote the book that I really, really found some of the fascinating nuances of the case.
0: Mm hmm. So, yeah, it was not your job to investigate the case as such, but to aid the investigators, correct?
1: Pretty much. I was just there as an investigative resource for them. Mm
0: Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, When your late wife suggested that you write a book about your experiences, how did you go about preparing to write your first book?
1: Um, Well, you know, I kept a pretty good record of the cases um, just just because that's, that's what I typically do for court and things like that. Um, so the first thing I thought I had to do was, you know, get an agent, you know, write a manuscript and it was one of those, you know, which comes first, the chicken or the egg sort of thing. And I remember I went ahead and wrote the manuscript first, so I'd have something to, to shop around and and show around. So, um, you know, I started, you know, heading back and digging up police reports and going into the uh, different libraries and digging up newspaper articles and stuff and assembled all my material, wrote the manuscript and set out to find an agent.
0: Mm-hmm. And did you take any writing courses or read any particular books that were helpful?
1: I didn't. I, I actually, um, I just, just start writing. I mean, that was the best advice I'd ever gotten from somebody. They said, you know, if you're going to write, just start writing. Just write write, right, right, and then go back and clean it up and, and take a look at it, you know, once the thought is, is the, the, the thought string is, is run out, so to speak, and so it wasn't that I didn't want to take or didn't think I needed it, it was just that I was, my plate was so full, um, and I just figured cops were natural ser- storytellers, i always been told I wrote well, and I had written by that time thousands and thousands of pages of police reports, so I just wanted to tell my story, and that's what I did.
0: You pretty much knew how to structure a narrative from writing police reports, I take it?
1: Pretty much. And, and, and the thing is, is it's, you know, writing a, a you know, true crime stories and true crime uh, nonfiction is, is so much different than writing a police report because, you know, you're, you know, with police reports, you have all the technical jargon and vernacular and stuff. And for, you know, public consumption, you have to write it in such a way and, and make references to things in such a way they'll understand, you know, non-police jargon.
0: So you're pretty good at uh, taking that kind of jargon and uh, making it understandable for lay people.
1: I I think so. Most of it is because, you know, my career path is such that, you know, I've been, um, you know, a lecturer, a writer, a teacher, I actually taught um, DARE in the fifth grade level uh, in the elementary school's anti-drug program. So, And because of my job in in police work as a street cop, I was exposed to different types of people every day, all the way from, you know, the educated, the uneducated, homeless, very articulate people, just a whole range of people. So I had to learn how to talk to different people, and that extended to my writing as well.
0: Well, that's always a good thing. Um, Let's see, uh, tell us a little bit about how sketch artists work.
1: Well, you know, people always think it's about the art and, you know, you have a variety of, of different writing, or I'm sorry, drawing styles from different artists, much like you have writing styles from writers and such. And so, you know, you have to have that, you know, the base artistic skills, but really it's about being an effective communicator because now you're, you're having to encourage them to relive that moment and trust you to, to share the details with you. And get the necessary information to come up with a drawing that's going to be not so much anatomically correct or artistically, you know, follow the artistic canons and such as much as reflect their memory and their words about the event.
0: I know I was going to say memory plays a huge role in this. And um, is there are there generally accepted methods for trying to elicit information without, say, prejudicing? the uh, witness in any way?
1: I think if you don't show them a picture of who the police think it is, or you don't um, front load them with a lot of information, they probably shouldn't know or don't need to know about who the police may be thinking about. It's pretty much like drawing, like writing. Again, everyone has their own interview style in terms of how they're able to reach out and connect with people. My style of interviewing may be different than yours or somebody else's. And I may never use the same two styles of interviewing back-to-back um, back, uh, because people are different so I may have a strategy laid out how I want to speak to them how I want to interview them but because of something that comes up during the interview in terms of their trauma or non-trauma or, or whatever I have to kind of change it on the fly in terms of, of what I'm doing what I'm saying and how I'm saying it
0: hmm. that's interesting I was gonna I, went, I meant to say that I read your first book and I really thought it was good I liked oh, thank it a you. lot thank you um so I really admire that you're able to uh, create a work like that without any training whatsoever based well, on you. simply the writing that you've done before. I mean, really, it's, 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 a, um, it's an art and a craft to be able to put a story together. Um, let's see. You're also a certified forensic artist. Is that a special skill or is that like a requirement for what you do?
1: Um, it is not, and, and really quick, I want to go back to the, the previous compliment you gave me. I I, uh-huh. I will give I will give credit to my editor because I did find during the writing process that um, having a a good editor really makes the difference in a good book and a, and not so good a book in terms of. It's readability and such, so I, I give major kudos to my editor because she did a wonderful job in terms of keeping me between the curb lines, so to speak, and keeping me in the direction she thought the readers would want me to go and and uh that's that's really valuable so anybody who's listening and watching and you're an aspiring writer um, find a good editor a good editor's gold
0: I couldn't agree with you more that is so totally true.
1: So, so back, so back to your question about certified forensic (laughs) artists, you know, it's what, what that does, I think more than anything else is it gives you some credibility um, professionally uh, in the courts when you testify as an eyewitness expert or as a a police sketch, uh, a forensic artist expert, so to speak, Um, it's, it's just Basically, recognition that you've reached a level of a certain level of expertise uh, that should be recognized by other professionals, law enforcement, forensics, and such, in terms of your education, in terms of your in terms of your work experience.
0: What sort of skills are involved now in the modern age with sketch artists?
1: Oh, in the modern age, you know, for the certification, you know, they're typically requiring. I think a minimum of like 40 hours of training and and so many successful sketches in terms of resemblance to the bad guy, Uh, you know, and, you know, they don't have a a master level yet that I'm aware of for folks like myself and others who may have like over a thousand hours of training. And I've got like 40 years of experience now in in numerous identifications and such. So um, one of the reasons why, you know, I created the software was because, you know, more people had a desire to help out and they couldn't draw but they wanted to create sketches they want to have another tool in their forensic toolkit in which to help out their departments and aid investigators and such so the certification is nice uh, but in a way it's very limiting
0: Mm. Hmm. that's interesting and um, you're working on a true crime book now
1: I am. I am. And it's been the manuscript i sitting here for quite a while. And I, I think it's like anything else. Uh, you know, I, I learned a lot of value in terms of character development. Uh, you know, the first book, I really wanted to um, pay a homage some, so to speak in a way to the victims uh, because I think they're oftentimes, you know, forgotten too easily and I think that, you know, of course, you know, we, we beat the celebrity victims to death in these high profile salacious cases and stuff. And when you look at, you know, the, the typical victim, they're like, you know, you never hear about them. They go to work every day. They've got families, they work hard, but yeah, they get buried in the pages of, in, in in the news and on the internet and stuff. No one ever hears of them. So in this particular book, you know, there's a couple of main characters and such that I really want to kind of buff up just a bit more that the, the um you know the facts of the crime are almost templated in some way from crime to crime, but it's the people involved, you know, the victim and the suspect. And as much as people don't want to hear about the suspect, um, you know, they are oftentimes the main character. And so it's kind of important for me in this case, in this book, to build them up just a bit more.
0: hmm Um, what kind of a case is it? Can you talk about it a little bit? Yeah,
1: sure, of course. It's a um it's a kidnapping robbery murder case involving a, um, retired former police officer who was working, uh, you know, post-employment, uh, job to, you know, put food on the table, so to speak. And, uh, and then of course the, uh, suspect in this case was a, uh, lone wolf type of character. Um, you know, ex-con, uh, frustrated with his own life and got tired of knocking over liquor stores and decided he wanted, wanted to go for the big score. So, um, this person, uh, this retired police officer worked for um, a delivery service to work for the banks and the ATMs and typically carried a lot of money. Um, so it involves some stalking, a robbery, you know, burned body, a little evidence, uh, a sketch of mine, of course. And, um, and just kind of walking through how these detectives really, you know, put some shoe leather in and wound up identifying the suspect. And he actually got the death penalty. Mm.
0: Uh,
1: and is now deceased he didn't get the death penalty he died in natural causes on death row but it's just an interesting story in terms of how the police put all this circumstantial evidence together mm. and uh and, and i just think that the characters are just interesting that's you know their background and such that's what attracted me to the case most of all
0: i was going to say what was it that attracted to you to the case was it about well you know
1: characters? it's kind of yeah it's it be, be you know it's, it's really interesting because I've, I've worked on i mean literally over you know thousands of cases you know during my career and and um i i think what i like to write about especially one of the reasons why i wrote sketch cops was because you know people see the sketches but they don't you know they always imagine because of television that there's some off i'm sorry there's an artist sitting in the back room just placidly peacefully drawing and sketching and, and it's it couldn't be farther from the truth i mean i've I've sketched in the back of 7-Elevens in the backseat of cars um, with a variety of different characters and such. Um, so I wanted to kind of let people in on like, like, I wanted, as I would say, rip the veil off of you know, the secrecy of what happens, how a police composite sketch is constructed.
0: Hey, now that I've done the that. It, look. <laughs>
1: exactly. It's behind the scenes look. And now it's time to take those cases individually, and examine those and expand on those. So we can, so we can. Now that people know how a sketch is built, now other things that went into creating challenges and difficulties, both in creating the sketch and also within the investigation, and we throw in some interesting characters, and voila, true crime book
0: (laughs) from a sketch.
1: From a Uh sketch.
0: (laughs) Well, it's interesting how much goes into uh, to uh, police sketching that most people don't appreciate. I'm sure. Um, so it's not the uh, restful life of an artiste or anything like that. It's, it's very much a, a serious um, occupation with uh, a certain amount of stress, I assume, associated with it.
1: Well, you know, it's kind of interesting. Pe- people assume that. I remember when I was interviewing for a job one time, you know, for a police sketch artist job, and somebody had asked on the interview panel, how do you deal with the stress? And I said, what stress? I <laughs> I, mean, I sit, I sketch and I talk, and it doesn't mean I don't feel empathy for the people, but I remember a woman coming in one day and asking me, and she said, um, you must get like bored sketching all day here. I said, it's not really about the sketching. The sketching part's almost like exercise. I said, it's people like you that walk through my door that have stories to tell. And I always like to say that you know, every one of us has a book inside of us, or everyone has a story to tell. It doesn't matter who they are. They've got a fascinating story, always a fascinating backstory. And that's what really keeps, for me, the stress down and keeps me in the game, so to speak.
0: I can fully appreciate that. Um, so, uh, was this the most unusual case you'd ever worked on? The one that you wrote about?
1: No, no, it was unusual. Um, Do was you have one that from...
0: stands out as unusual or particularly weird?
1: Yeah. <laughs> um, it was kind of weird, but funny. I mean, it was, um, there was a, there was a particular case where a, a person was, um, uh, watching a young gal, uh, un, you know, in dress and get ready for school one day and she looked out her window and saw him and she only saw him from below the eyes up. And so, you know, I detectives wanted a sketch. So I did a sketch from the window ledge up and all you could see in the sketch were his eyes and his forehead and his distinctive hairstyle. And so, you know, for that week or two, every time another detective saw me, they'd throw a piece of paper up just under their eyes and say hi to me, mimicking and mocking my drawing. And so, a patrol officer saw somebody in the area later on, uh, a couple weeks later, with that distinctive hairstyle, stopped him, got his ID. Uh, she couldn't identify him, but after that, it must—he never—he was never seen again. So it must have been him. And after they looked at the picture and compared to my sketch, they stopped, they stopped laughing and mocking me. So.
0: (laughs) Shows them.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Well, you know, the thing is, is that again, like I said, you have to throw out all the, anything you ever learned in art school in terms of proportion, in terms of, uh, you know, artistic, you know, rules, so to speak, uh, because people's perception, you know, during traumatic situations is such that, um, some of these, you know, some of these sketches come out you know, looking kind of cartoonish or less than human and people may mock and it's like, you know, you can't put yourself into that finished product. It has to be purely what the person, you know, you, you, I like to say that we draw them as they see them and that's mm-hmm. pretty much what it comes down to.
0: You're kind of like the tool that they're using to express themselves. They, I like they're the not col- drawing it, but you're drawing it for them. Absolutely. Like an extension of them.
1: Pretty much. And that's why I tell them it's a, it's a synergistic relationship that we develop during the time we spend together where I use your eyes and you use my hands. Very and cool. We, we borrow from each other in terms of our, 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 our senses and such and our skills and as a team come up with this drawing.
0: Well, um, I just have to ask, since you brought up cartooning, have you ever considered um, doing any other kind of uh, illustration, like cartoons or graphic oh, I, novels?
1: Uh, <laughs> I would love to get back to cartooning or comic drawing, except I just don't have the time.
0: Oh my gosh, that's too bad because that's a pretty cool area to get into—graphic
1: yeah, novels
0: yeah. and cartoons.
1: Exactly, and, and just you know, comics and cartoons. I mean, you talk about the ultimate relaxing drawing and being doing something that makes people happy and makes them laugh and such. But, you know, with what I'm doing, I'm always trying to find ways of, 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 you know, offering skills and services to those I work with and work for, so to speak. So now I'm getting the 3d, you know, virtual, you know, clay sculpting and, um, you know, age progression. I'm starting to expand my brand overseas now. So I'll be doing some lectures overseas here pretty soon. So, um, there's just not a lot of time for that.
0: I bet there's a lot of virtual stuff going on with what you're doing. Huh? There virtual is. Virtual technology.
1: There is. Even, even what we're doing today wouldn't have been possible several years ago. And I oftentimes now um, meet with my victims on, on, online, like what we're doing now, to uh, create these sketches. And you know, I share my screen and they walk me through the drawing. They're seeing it real time um, from thousands of miles away.
0: That's really amazing, isn't it?
1: Yeah, it's, it's very cool, actually.
0: <laughs> What's the um, most distant uh, situation in terms of the placement of the victim that you've ever dealt with, farthest I, from you geographically?
1: Yeah, I actually had a request from someone in Romania. Oh. And I wasn't quite where I needed to be in terms of the technology at the time, so I did refer him to a colleague in Romania, um, but I've gotten you know requests as far away as the East Coast, and um, I've given lectures and uh, courses uh, live like this in in India and the Philippines.
0: And where are you located?
1: I'm in the, the Los Angeles area.
0: Ah, California. Okay.
1: Uh huh. Yeah.
0: I'm in Maryland, <laughs> so yeah, okay. I'm a few hours ahead of you. <laughs> yeah,
1: well, I, I I was you know Baltimore PD's full-time sketch artist for three years on site, and now I work with them under contract still. So I, I, I get that. back to your area every couple times a year.
0: Ah, excellent. Uh, let's see. Um, here's my off-the-wall question for okay. you: uh, Which do you prefer, autumn or spring?
1: Mm, autumn. Why? I like the um, changing of the leaves. I I come to gain an appreciation for that when I live back East. And actually my wife and I just moved to an area of the city where we actually get that. Uh, And it's just, um, it's just all the beautiful colors and such and the vibrancy and such is just a reminder of, of life itself in terms of, you know, how we should live it, you know, vibrancy and, full of color to the extent that we can and just enjoy.
0: So you live in the Los Angeles area, but you still get a taste of autumn.
1: Absolutely. Yes. And we're, 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 we're driving up the, the back side of our neighborhood just below because we live up near the foothills
0: and you uh-huh. notice
1: all these trees and all of a sudden the reds and the yellows and such that, you know, um, you know, we experienced back in Maryland, and it was just—it was—it was very heartwarming because I really loved the area back there, and uh, I really enjoyed the time I had back there. And so it was—it was nice to be able to see a little of that change of seasons that we typically don't get in California.
0: That's really cool because, as much as I love Southern California, you know, it is very different. Um, it's more than just palm trees, though. <laughs> mm-hmm.
1: it, it is. That's kind
0: of nice. Um, Is there anything else you'd like to add that I haven't covered with you?
1: No, I mean, I I just think that um, it's been a, it's been a great, um, it's been, it's been a privilege actually to share my story with with everyone out there who's read my book and who, you know, follows my career and such. And um, I've got more coming, obviously. And, um, you know, writing is very, you know, cathartic when talk about, you know, the relaxation of drawing and such, i found writing to be the same way. And I'm kind of wonky when it comes to history and things like that and, and, and enjoy that aspect of, of what I'm doing because um, the research in terms of the book, and I don't know how you feel about research yourself, but, you know, you know, digging into the files and the archives and the records and stuff and finding out those little nuggets that you didn't know that you thought mm-hmm. you knew, um, to me, is, is is the best part of writing a book.
0: I love doing research, actually. I probably would spend a lot more time doing research if I wasn't so busy just trying to write. Exactly, um, yeah. I uh, used to work as a librarian and went to library school, so mm-hmm. research is kind of like my second love after writing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I just like to learn things, you know?
1: Yeah, um, and you and learn a lot.
0: You do. It's amazing what's out there. So, um, if there isn't anything else you'd like to add, I just want to thank you for being here. Well,
1: what thank you for us? having me.
0: Oh, well, it was my pleasure, believe me. I had a great time talking to you, and um, again, I really enjoyed your first book, and thank you. Um, I think it really has, you know, gives a, um, a perspective on your work that most people don't get. So um, remember, everybody, that you can sample the work of some of the guests who've been on the Crime Cafe. If you, buy the nine, if you buy the Crime Cafe nine-book set and short story anthology, uh, they offer the work of 14 authors. It's a smorgasbord of crime fiction. You can also get copies of the stories when you support the podcast on Patreon. You'll get that and much more. And if you enjoyed the podcast, please leave a review on your favorite podcast channel or app or whatever it is. And with that, I'll just say our next guest will be Judith Yates. So I'll see you in two weeks. Until then, happy reading.